best moments I have, I suppose, is that week that we launched down in, in West Cork. Like, again, like, just hundreds of thousands of tampons and pads around us. And we were like, what have we done? <laughs> like, what have we done? Riley, one of the shooting stars of Ireland's startup ecosystem, is a multi-award-winning, female-founded and run eco-friendly period product company launched the website and kind of forgot about the phone and then straight away we got a ping like Shopify ping first order we all just started screaming oh my god hugging each other couldn't believe and then more started coming through and we were like this is amazing like it's actually we're getting orders on our very first like few minutes Riley co-founder Fiona Parfrey gets into their story, the company's lofty global ambitions and some of the niggles they've had to face along the way. And then like literally the next day we'd run out of packaging because we just didn't anticipate that many orders to come in. Yeah, so we went from like this massive high straight to away problem to problem like, solving. Oh my god, what do we do? <laughs> um, and that's that was just the start of like yeah, the problem solving, as you say, because it is never ending. It's just constantly, I think, like fire, like firefighting and figuring out. There's always things that will go wrong. Thank you for coming, Fiona, and welcome. Thank welcome. you for having me. I'm excited to chat. So we're chatting about you. First off, you're my first female in studio. I don't know if you knew that. It's intense. And I'm almost ashamed to say it, but there is an issue of not very many startups being founded by women in Dublin. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? You've got three founders. Yeah. So I think there is amazing startups coming out of Ireland. There is a lot of female entrepreneurs around the country. Yeah. But there... I suppose there's a lot of female-led businesses that are very focused on creating strong brands but keeping them very local yeah, and not having that bigger vision of wanting to, I suppose, bring their business global um, or like the kind of bigger ambition. And I don't think that's through any fault of their own. I think it's just an issue with females having a self-belief or confidence issues that have been ingrained in us through society. So thankfully you're seeing more and more come like come to the forefront um, that are coming out of Ireland today. But predominantly a lot of the startups that you would have heard of are probably male led, which I think stems down to that issue. Confidence. Yeah. And I think we've been very vocal from the beginning as three female founders that we do have a big global ambition for our business. But that's a really scary thing to Mm. say um, Mm. out loud and to kind of have to back yourself on that Mm. um, and say it confidently and believe in it even though you have this niggly imposter syndrome in your head yeah and that's not to say that the men don't have a similar thing going on but I mean it's been done for them for for years yes you know that glass ceiling thing isn't as intense to get there but you guys are you're young founders too I mean you're looking great (laughs) (laughs) but what is the age group of the three of you yeah so we started the business we Lauren and I were in our late 20 28 29 um by 29 I'd say yeah and Anya was just in her early 30s we're now all in our early 30s (laughs) um so yeah I mean it definitely we're not like I suppose very young in terms of starting off we've all had experience in the corporate world um experience I had an experience running another business um so it's not as if we were fresh out of college mm. um which I think you know there's value to that but at the same time there can probably be downsides to it as well in that you know 
you've learned, you've seen a lot and learned a lot. So there's caution, caution with that as well. You've also founded a company, Raleigh, which is not only founded by three women, but it's very much a woman's product. Um, how did you go about finding funding in a man's world for that woman's, was that an awkward conversation? I mean, um, menstrual products are not something everybody wants to talk no, about. definitely not. And I suppose, interestingly enough, the, like we've pay, we've closed one round of funding and we're in the middle of, of fundraising mm. at the moment as well. The majority of people that we have pitched to are men, which is unfortunate because I'd love to see more of a balance between male and female investors across the board. But it is what it is. Um, and for the most part, for the most part, they have been very receptive. Yeah. Um, I think when we talk about the problem that we're solving and that it stems from real personal frustrations that we've experienced as women and the the opportunity here in terms of the market size male investors really get it. We've obviously had some scenarios where we've had little, like, I suppose, comments or questions and things from male investors. That are a bit awkward, I'm sure. Well, I suppose that we're just like, they just don't get it. Mm. Like, we've, we've had people say to us, like, you know, you're focused on the female health market, so you're completely ignoring 50%. Of, of the, the market populace. of the population and we're like yes we are <laughs> on purpose like this is we are like a niche product for um 50 percent of the rest you yeah, definitely 51 percent actually there's more women actually, than men so it's just funny that you know i suppose th- there's the odd male investor that might feel um that this isn't right for them and that's okay too um but yeah we've been lucky to get to get both men and women on board and backing us Okay, so what's the sales pitch? Let's say you're coming into these rooms. Tell me about Raleigh. So I suppose it depends who we're talking to, right? Because the audience is key and we sell our products in a number of different ways. Mm. Um, Ultimately, our vision is to be a lifelong female health brand. We started off with disrupting the very stale period care market mm-hmm. um that hadn't really it's been, been the same for 30 years for, plus, yeah so. yeah for for decades and i suppose when we as founders discovered that the period products we'd been using our whole lives were manufactured with harmful and highly unnecessary ingredients like synthetic rayons and bleach and perfumes and so many chemicals we felt compelled to do something about it because we couldn't find a solution in the Irish market that suited our needs mm. in that it was natural and organic and all of that. So we went about creating Riley, um, 100% organic period care. But what we have, I suppose, learned from this journey is that there's so much more to be done in terms of female health as a whole. Yeah. So although we've started with menstruation, we want to move with our community through their different life cycle stages whether that be you know fertility sexual health perimenopause menopause that's big yeah there's a lot of work to be done um and to date we've been you know creating these really high quality products but also creating engaging informative high quality educational content but now you mentioned there earlier that you had noticed that there was a problem with yes. the menstrual kind of u- equipment, I suppose, yeah, yeah. that we're using as women. Yeah. What is Raleigh doing differently 
in terms of your product? What does it have or not have that the others are using? Yeah, so our product is made from certified organic cotton, right? Okay. So there's nothing else added in production. It's only made from organic cotton, meaning we don't use any sort of chemicals in production. There's no pesticides mm. when we're growing the cotton. Um, and then we... So that's going to be better for our bodies, right? But also the manufacturing process is is better for our planet. And then with that, our products are each pad or tampon comes in a, an individual wrapper, as as you probably know. So ours are wrapped in um, materials derived from wood pulp so that oh, there's okay. less plastic used in manufacturing. And then the applicators on our tampons are um, made from a bio-based material that's derived from sugarcane, which is a highly renewable source. So I suppose every element of the product is thought of with both our bodies and our planet in mind. We also do, um, I suppose the way we deliver our product to our consumers is completely different to the traditional way of shopping in store at the supermarket. So we have a subscription service whereby we deliver straight to the customer's door. We found that we personally were always running out of period products when we needed them. I think. And it's an awkward moment when you do. It is. (laughs) It's it's completely uh, an inconvenience Mm. and it's something that happens to us for the most part every month and we just thought like surely there's a better way so we deliver straight to your door um so that you're always in stock um and this just rolls over on an ongoing subscription basis with like no hidden like scary fees or lock-in contracts or anything like that you're fully in control of your delivery and you know whether you want to need to pause it or cancel it or change your delivery date whatever um but then we also deliver to our consumers in a in a different channel which is in the b2b space okay so that is like i suppose supplying enterprise clients like office spaces restaurants gyms bars universities schools with product for their staff customer student those public spaces exactly all right because i suppose what we fundamentally believe is that it's a normal bodily function and people should have the right to access period products wherever and whenever they're needed, just like toilet paper. Mm. So anywhere that you can access toilet paper, where that's whether that's in your home bathroom or at work, at school, at the gym, that's where we want to be creating that accessibility. And did you find that the pickup in the B2B space was actually bigger than the personal pickup? Yeah, we've been really surprised at mm. how much employers in Ireland, and we're also shipping throughout Europe, but particularly in Ireland where we started, have been open to this initiative. It's been fantastic to see that when we go and pitch our products like that to um, people sitting in a HR functionality, in a sustainable role in a business, that they really understand what Mm -hmm. we're trying to achieve. It feeds into the diversity and inclusion elements of their workplaces um, and it just, I suppose it opens up the conversation there as well. So we've been delighted to, I suppose, get some really amazing uh, big name clients on board in our very early days. Mm. And um, we know that there is just so much more that we can do in that space mm. as well. And do you think, and this might be a bit more of a controversial question for you. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get nervous. Um, do you think that that is because of the environmental fab? We all know global warming is becoming a bit more of a thing. All of these companies are looking to actually lower their footprint. I mean, anyone who's been listening to our podcast knows I'm very new to Dublin, but the drive towards sustainability is higher here. 
Yeah. Do you think that plays a role? I know you guys have global ambitions, though. I do think it plays a role. However, I do think it's twofold. Yeah. So first and foremost, it's most companies are looking at how can we serve our people? Yeah. Um, or our students or whatever that may be. How can we create an environment where inclusivity is something that we don't just talk about, but we walk the walk as well? So that's usually where the conversation starts. And the fact that we are a, a more sustainable solution is an added benefit. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something that a lot of um, consumers and businesses alike are starting to expect. Startups like ourselves or any business is to really look at our supply chain and operations and manufacturing every, and everything with the planet in mm. mind. And it's been something that we decided from day one that was going to be a non-negotiable for us. So sustainability is a really important value of ours. Um, but, but there's so much more. a social element. Yes, exactly. It's actually about inclusion for, you know, pads shouldn't be a luxury item. Exactly, exactly. Every woman should be allowed to use them. 100%. Okay. And like, I, f I fully believe, my personal opinion, that if men got periods, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It wouldn't be a question. Yeah, they would just have always had access to pads or tampons in their bathrooms. Mm. Um, and we need to be part of the change now. But what was the niggle in your business? The thing that you guys were firming up your business, you were ready, and it was almost the hardest element for you to get moving forward. That one where you look back, you think, we almost didn't get through that. That was intense. So I think it was the step to deciding that we came up with this idea late 2020, like Christmas time. Yeah. 2020. And myself and my two friends, Lauren and Anya, had the idea for it. And we said, this is actually could be a very like commercially viable business opportunity. We all had other full time mm. commitments at the time. Like we weren't thinking. What were you all doing? So I was running another startup that oh, I wow. owned by myself and was running by myself. Um, and Lauren was working in a sales role in London. Okay. Anya was working for a big corporate here in Dublin. It was definitely making that decision for all of us of, okay, we're, like I'm selling a business here. Yeah. Lauren is quitting her like head of sales role in this tech startup in London, selling her apartment and moving back home with her parents. And you guys went all in. Yeah, all three of you. Yeah, all three of us. So and then Anya handed in her notice. Um Ooh. and it was during we launched April 21. So just coming up in two years ago now. Sure, we obviously weren't paying ourselves a salary or anything at the start. Um and it was during that summer period that we all just took the the leap to say this is something that we really believe in we've seen the initial kind of validation on the market that it people wanted it can work like we were getting orders from the minute we launched oh wow um and so we just said we either have to go all in on this or it's not gonna yeah. work and so that was yeah. a big kind of leap of faith. And in that moment where you're not paying, I mean, I think that must be the most stressful moment for any founder. Those first couple of months where you're actually just feeding everything back into the business yeah. all of the time. How are you guys keeping yourselves alive? Yeah, it was it was tough. And I think it comes down to your like support networks, yeah. to be honest. It was really stressful like financial stress for entrepreneurs is like a real it's thing not a joke yeah yeah and it definitely takes away from the business then because you're worrying about other things like how mm. am I going to pay my bills um we're lucky that we had support systems you know Lauren moved back in with her parents for a while 
Um, Anya and I were, were living with partners who were able to support us for a period of time, okay. but it was it was really difficult. Mm. But, you know, I suppose we really thought that, again, it comes back to the belief in the business. We knew that if we kept on going, this would just be a short term thing and it would lead hopefully to bigger things. So it was just about making that sacrifice. And it is difficult when you're in your late 20s, early 30s and you're with friends who, you know, I suppose have gotten to that point in their careers where they have. They're nice and comfortable yeah, now. Yeah, the disposable income to do nice <laughs> things. And it's just something that we had yeah. to sacrifice for a period of time. Um, but it's definitely been worth it. How did your partners feel? Yours and Anya's partners and Lauren's <laughs> parents. How did they feel about um, we're launching? Sorry, guys, I'm back in the basement. Just ignore me. I know. So funny. Like I, I've, I'll speak to my own partner Graham. Yeah, like, yeah. Let's go with Graham. Shame. He like it was so funny. I was literally <laughs> hanging out with Anya and Lauren one night, just in Anya's place, having a glass of wine, and I come home like four hours later, and I'm like, I'm starting a tampon business. Oh God! And he's like, Great. Oh really? Like, yeah. And but I. But you told me just off mark that the man also makes you oats. <laughs> so I don't know what you He's did a good to one. get this right. Jeez, I hope you wait him, lock him down. Oh, I've got the ring on the there finger. There we go, girl. And <laughs> um, yeah, so he like he, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go home now, and he's gonna say, what the hell? Like you're already running this other business. Like what's going on? But he was like, great. Like tell me more. So just told him the idea and was fully supportive. And I think a lot of. Um, successful entrepreneurs are it comes down to like the support systems yeah. that they have around them whether that's which friends, is also family. unfortunate because everyone with a good idea should ideally be able to just hit the market running I but know unfortunately those know. barriers do yeah exist. but it, like I think it's with anything in life yeah. right any sort of career you have to make sacrifices yeah take your struggles yeah exactly and I like really couldn't do it without the support of my co-founders first and foremost but also the really great like network and friends and family mm. and entrepreneurial network in Ireland as well. Mm. Um, and it's about, I think, being open to leaning on people for that help and support is really important too. Um, and not having, I suppose, too much pride in that. Like, yeah, we're very open with the fact that we know we do not know it all and that is okay. Mm. And that's why we're always asking people for help. Mm. Um, and and trying to give help if we can as well you know it mm. comes both ways so support is is key yeah and what was on the line at that stage when the three of you had quit everything if this hadn't worked out the way that it has which is incredible um what what was the risk really I suppose like we had risked our careers right yeah um in that we'd all given up other opportunities yeah. to focus on this but besides from that, mm. honestly, not much, in my opinion. Yes, your pride might be a little bit hurt if you fail or your ego might be damaged, but that's not important. Mm. Failure isn't something to be afraid of. Like you have to embrace failure. And even though our business is going very well and we're really happy with the direction it's it's going in and what we've done so far, we've had so many mo moments of failure along the way. Um, and that's okay. So I think we had to have this, like, I suppose, openness to the idea of failure when we started it, that if this goes down south, what's the worst that can happen? And for us, it was like, at least we tried. Yeah. And I think that's a lesson for all, particularly the women who are about to stay, like you said in the beginning, who are about to start. That confidence is mm. key. There's 
yes, you're starting a family. Yes, you're the keeper of the house. Yes, you're all of those things. But that confidence is necessary mm. just to begin. Where are we now? You said we're not very far yet. Two years in, what does Riley look like? Yeah, we it was, it was for stock and marketing. So yeah. it wasn't very much initially to begin with. Well, I suppose we were down in Anya's garage in West Cork and hundreds of thousands of tampons were arriving and we were like, this is all our life savings. So this <laughs> in great. pads, guys. Here yeah, they are in tampons, yeah, all of our money. Exactly. But no, I suppose it wasn't, you know, to get off the ground and to start the business wasn't that much because like, I had experience in things like setting up an e-commerce website and stuff before. So a lot of what we did, we just did in-house. Like we, the three of us were there packing the boxes ourselves mm -hmm. for the first few months. Like it was very from the ground up. We didn't invest crazy money in outsourcing everything from the start because yeah. we just couldn't. Um, which which was actually a really good thing because it's made that it's meant that we've learned to be very lean with our capital and resourceful with all of the funding mm -hmm. that we have. Um, but then we, towards the end of 21, a few months after we launched, we started a fundraising um, journey and we raised capital, which we closed at the start of last year. So we raised just over three quarters of a million. And that was to, I suppose, continue like hiring people. Um, so we, we hired two people last year with a like, portion of those funds and to invest in marketing yeah. and stock essentially that's gotten us to the point where we are now where we're now a team of seven and um we've grown the business like you know we're turning over seven figures now um we're very happy with with where we've gotten to but again we have bigger ambitions and yeah. with any growing business the sticky point is always capital cash now, flow yeah. right yeah so we're raising another round at the moment, targeting two million. Is um, this your second round? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that will again allow us headcount. Like people is the most important thing in the business. So to to continue growing out the team, invest in like IT infrastructure that can help us to scale more efficiently. Mm. Um. And automate some of those processes. Exactly. Exactly. Because that all costs money, yeah. and there's only so much I suppose manual, you know, things that you can do like it gets to a point where it just doesn't make sense anymore but you need to I suppose weigh up the opportunity cost of that mm. um and then yeah marketing and stock are always um a, like a high operating expenditure for us but we also are looking at like R&D and product development mm. as well because we have so many big ideas for how we can I suppose serve our our customer through yeah. like menstruation through to menopause and so a portion of the funds will be used in um researching that okay that's an interesting branch let's talk about those global ambitions well I suppose the great thing about our business is that the problem that we're solving is universal yeah it doesn't stop and like it, it penetrates borders it penetrates cultures um and we launched like we we started shipping throughout Europe from the get-go to be honest we've kind of very much focused on the Irish market to begin with um especially with our b2b clients and we've definitely validated the market here with I suppose all of the proof points that we have now mm -hmm. from a client perspective and so we're kind of working on a, like a land and expand strategy whereby we can get those same clients and introduce us to their UK or European Branches, counterparts yeah. yeah and expand it that way so we've had some initial success with that so far but we really I suppose this year are focused on 
on those markets um, and how we can start to win them. But ultimately, I suppose we do want to bring this to the four corners of the world. It's just that right now we don't want to run before we can walk. Yeah. So it's step by step. Um, but yeah, we're we're very excited because it is something that I think, you know, we can bring down to Australia or South Africa yeah. or Canada, you know, eventually. Mm. So um, we're excited to see what the future holds. Are there any stumbling blocks that you anticipate that you might have seen here locally as a potential problem for a global expansion kind of thing? For instance, the cost of living, for instance, I don't know, in Dublin is higher than in certain other places in the world. Um, would you might have to lower the cost of your product? That's or? a great question. And it is something that we have seen impact yeah. the business in terms of, you know, I suppose cost of living is a very real issue. And a lot of the times people will, I suppose, get rid of any unnecessary things in their lives, like a delivery subscription service, for mm. example. So we did um, see a few people, I suppose, when, we, when someone cancels a subscription with us, we're always very... Um, adamant to ask why yeah and some of the feedback has been I can no longer afford this like my rent has gone up yeah. or you know I've lost my job or whatever it is that's a real issue so for us it's not about I suppose scaling back on our growth plans it's more so the customer still needs this product mm. that's not changing period to make the situation stop. of being affordable exactly or how else can we serve them yeah so just because there might be a pandemic or a recession or whatever it is women or people will still get periods this is so true so how can we provide them with a product in a way that suits whatever kind of lifestyle they have at the time so for us like that it was like okay well if they can get this in the workplace or you know if we can look at op like options whereby we can lower the cost of a pouch or make the subscription more um, flexible to their needs, then we can still, I suppose, have them in our community. So we've it's something that we're constantly looking at, mm -hmm. I suppose, our, our most important, the most important part of our business is our, our customers and our community. Um, and so we're always kind of engaging with them and listening and trying to ad adapt or offering based on what they need. Do you have a funniest moment or a scariest moment in the founding of this business oh my that you could share with us yeah let's get a little candid <laughs> there's been a lot like there's been a lot of really funny moments you know um it's been so great having two co-founders that we can just laugh at things i think so one of the like best moments i have i suppose is that week that we launched down in in West Cork like again like just hundreds of thousands of tampons and pads around us and we were like what have we done <laughs> like what have we done and then we launched the website and we actually have a video of this we recorded it like we oh launched gosh the website, you've got to share that with me put, yeah we'll actually we're going to share it on our socials this week so you should have a look at it but we put the phone down and then we went and launched the website and kind of forgot about the phone and then straight away we got a ping like Shopify ping first order we all just started screaming oh my god hugging each other couldn't believe and then more started coming through and we were like this is amazing like it's actually we're getting orders on our very first like few minutes and then like 
literally the next day we'd run out of packaging because we just didn't oh, anticipate crap. that many oranges oh, to come crap. in yeah so we went from like this massive high straight to away problem to problem like, solving oh my god what do we do <laughs> um and that's that was just the start of like yeah the problem solving as you say because it is never ending it's just constantly i think like fire like firefighting and figuring out there's always things that will go wrong um but like it's something that we I suppose you know, are able to laugh at is that like okay how did we invest all this money into buying all this and stock forgot to wrap it and then <laughs> forgot all the packaging like we we did not buy enough packaging actually I think the first order to come through was like someone that we knew I think it was Lauren's sister or maybe my sister or someone and we were like oh, okay okay it's someone that we know like and thank then, you for yeah, the support thanks guys you feel sorry for us great um but then like the second or third order was like a name that we didn't know and then all these like we were just checking all the names the first day and there was so many that we had like no none, none of us knew who we who they were and we were like this is amazing what was the big takeaway the lesson that you would give to other founders from this process of founding i think the big takeaway is like you have to just be resilient and keep going because I think we just talked about there like things will always go wrong yeah those fires it, and it's things that happen internally and externally mm. things that you can't control and things that you can control and that can be really difficult mm. in terms of the emotional kind of roller coaster it can take because one second you can be celebrating and the next you can be tearing your hair out yeah literally it can go snap like change in two seconds you can get one email or you know one customer review that you're so excited about and then five minutes later get really bad news about product arriving not arriving on time or something and I think the main thing is just to I suppose for us one of our like internal values that we have with the team is everything is figure outable it's a word that I think we've made up figure outable it's figure definitely outable. not in the dictionary yeah. um because it is like mm. you know we we fundamentally believe that every kind of challenge or issue that we're faced with is just um it becomes a problem that we try mm. and solve so just to bear that in mind and have the resilience to move forward. So what we typically like to do on the show is to pose to the founders, what are you still struggling with? What is the question, the challenge, the thing that you guys are busy working on at the moment? And then in the next episode, I'm going to try and find you someone. Fingers crossed, I never have any answers to these questions. Never. I but this. I would love to try and find you someone who can maybe answer your question. That's so a take a minute. Great question. No, I have one right no, away. Oh, I don't ooh. even need to think. So for us right now, what we're really struggling mm. with is the hiring, right? So hiring. we have a few open positions on the team that have been there for quite a while. And we are purposely very picky about who we bring on board. As because you should be, yeah. We need to find people that obviously are driven and, and hardworking and ambitious and, and have all the competencies that we're looking for but at the same time that really believe in what we're doing yeah because startup life can be a roller coaster I know that sounds really cliche but there's no other better way of describing it there's ups and there's downs all of the time so we need people that really believe in what we're doing and our mission so that when things go badly that you know they're still with they us hang in. they hang in there and they can see the bigger picture. And so we we are struggling to find people as a small startup 
because I suppose, you know, there's so many amazing like businesses. Giant firms giant where firms. you feel safe in your corner. Exactly. Exactly. I understand. Yeah. Um, so I suppose like we'd love to talk to anyone that is like interested in the startup journey that, you know, even may not have worked in a startup before that, but is considering taking a leap of faith. Um, and I suppose ultimately believes in the mission of Riley and is excited about working on something like this because we are definitely going places. We're so excited about what the future holds, but it all comes down to the team. Yeah, it's hard to retain skills. I mean, Dublin, the weather, it's a little bit dreary. <laughs> People like to leave with their skills in this place. We've noticed Dublinites pick sunnier climates. It's okay. Yeah. They can tell us. But in the next episode, then hopefully we will find you a hiring expert who can speak to exactly that kind of problem, particularly related to your business and scaling in a startup situation mm. and finding the right people mm. for your startup, brave people. Um, so thank you very much for joining me, Fiona. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Paige. It was lovely. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Found It, a production of Factory 44, Ireland's on-demand creative studio based in the heart of Dublin. Found It is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you stream your podcasts. If you like the show, please take a second to subscribe for more episodes and join the conversation on our socials at Factory 44 Studio. If you're looking to record a podcast or are interested in becoming a member of Factory 44, book a call on our website at www.factory44.io.